If you don't get strong enough to possess your own belief, your environment will change you before you change it. And that is the quote of the day. Show. I'm your host, Sean Croxton at SeanCroxton.com. I hope you had an incredible weekend. You're ready to rock this week because it's Monday. That means it's time for some of that Monday motivation. A couple weeks ago, we had Inky Johnson on the show for the first time, and the feedback was awesome. You said you wanted more, so today I'm giving you more. So Inky is sharing another inspiring story from his life. Before we get to Inky, though, I have an assignment for you. One time this week, Show somebody how much you believe in them. Because as Inky's about to talk about, sometimes when we don't believe in ourselves, we have to rent that belief. We have to rent that motivation from somebody else. We have to rent that fuel. So this week, make the choice, make the decision to be the fuel for someone else. Because not only does it change your life, but it changed somebody else's life as well. Here's Inky. But what happened at the ripe age of seven years old I experienced a lot of different situations and circumstances, right? And I just had this crazy thought that, man, if I could just make it to the NFL, all of my family's problems, everything that we're facing would somehow disappear. If I could just make it to the NFL, like I can contribute to my community, I can help people, like I can do all of the things that I want to do. If I just accomplish this dream, every bit of pain that I experience, it will be all worth it. I still remember when me and my three younger cousins, we were going to the cafeteria for breakfast every other morning and we had a cafeteria administrator, a guy by the name of Mr. Dukes. And as soon as we would hit the cafeteria, my three little cousins, they'll sprint to the front of the line, push who's ever in front of the line, out of line, and they were trying to eat and the same thing would happen. Johnson boys hit the wall. And he would put us on the wall and he would say, Inky, you're the oldest, why do you let them do this? And I would be too embarrassed to tell him that we didn't eat the night before and so I would just stand back on the wall and I would be quiet. But one morning, he pushed it a little bit too far. Johnson boys, get on the wall. We go to the wall. Inky, you're the oldest. Why do you let them do this? I'm getting sick and tired of it. And I responded to him. I said, we didn't eat last night. He said, oh, I didn't know. I said, you didn't ask. Because most people, even when they ask a question, they ask him with the intent to reply, not the intent to understand. And when it happened, what happened to me was, I said, man, if I could just make it to college, nobody in my family has been to college, I could break a generational curse and I could show the people in my community a different way. But man, if I make it to the NFL, I can help my mother in ways that I've never imagined. I can help my grandmother in ways that I've never imagined. And every day we would walk out of that door, I would always trail my cousins and my grandmother would say to me, Inquarius, that's my real name, Inquarius, not Inky. My grandfather gave me Inky because he had a problem with pronouncing Inquarius. And my grandmother would say to me, Inquarius, I would say, yes, ma'am. She would say, learn from the mistakes of other people. You can't make them all yourself. And in my community, we had a drug dealer on every single corner. Most of them came from my household. And one night, we're playing tackle football in the street before I got in organized sports. And one night, the sun was going down. I just told the coaches the story because of the impact that it made in my life. And a blue pickup truck was coming down the street, and we back out of the street to let the car go by. And as the car was going by, it slightly went past us, and it parked on the sidewalk. And out of the truck gets a white guy. 
And at the time in my neighborhood, there were no white people. And so automatically, what do you think everybody did? They start running. They think he's the police off the bat, right? He's the cops. They take off running, right? Nicest guy in the world. Walks up in between our games. He said, hey, um, hey man, would y'all like to play organized sports? I said, man, I would love that. Where you been, brother? He said, go in the house and get your guardian. I run in the house. My uncle JJ is there. I said, hey, uncle, it's a guy outside. Will you please come and talk to him? My uncle says, sure. My uncle comes outside. The guy says, my name is Trey Hurst. He said, listen, I don't even supposed to be over here. He said, I brought a kid home three blocks up. I just rolled down the street to see what the neighborhood was like. I see these knuckleheads playing tackle football in the street. I run a league across town. I think if y'all bring him out, get him signed up, be a great opportunity for him. It could really help him in life. My uncle responds, sir, we greatly appreciate it, but we just don't have the money for anything like that. And he pointed at me because I'm standing face to face with the coach because I really wanted to play. And my uncle said his mother is working a double shift at Wendy's right now. She definitely doesn't have. My mother had me at 16 years old. And the coach responds to him. He said, I tell you what. He said, you bring him to the park tomorrow. Not only will I sign him up, he pointed at me. He said, I'll sign the other three up as well. My uncle brought us to the park the next day. I stood there and I watched this coach that I didn't even know that came down the street the day before and he took all his money out of his pocket and he paid for me and my three little cousins to play ball. And what I later discovered in my family, it made such an impact. Nobody in my family had been to college, but me and my three little cousins that that coach signed up in that street that night to play football, all three of us went to college and we broke a generational curse in our family. But I wanted to understand what was the spirit that this coach was living his life with. Like, it was his essence. It wasn't just a thing that he did because he wanted to do it and get a return on something. Like, that was just who he was. And so one night I asked him a question. I said, Coach, why do you do what you do? Like, why do you live life that way? Like, why do you just help people? Why do you don't even think about what they're doing or what you're helping them with? Why do you don't go through life wondering if somebody is trying to get over on you? Like, I never heard him once say that. Like, if he helped somebody, he helped them. That was it, right? It wasn't about if I help you, you got to do this. for. Why do you live your life that way? And he told me one night in front of my two-bedroom home, 14 people, I'm standing on the sidewalk after he dropped me off. And I said, why do you do what you do? And he got out of his truck and he came and he stood beside me. And he said, Inky, I'm going to tell you something and I don't want you to ever forget it. He said, as long as you make sure that somebody else's life is okay, son, God will always make sure that your life is okay. And what he was telling me was, son, as long as you live your life with a greater purpose than just yourself, the opposition, the adversity, the challenges, the paralyzed right arm and hand, like all of those challenges that you will face in your life, if you live life with a greater purpose than just yourself, you will use it as fuel and it won't drain you because your focus and your perspective will be a lot different. You won't be a selfish person and you won't just be going through life doing things for personal gain. You know how you can, you can spot a, a selfish person? They give up at the first sign of adversity. Because when a person gives up at the first sign of pressure and adversity and a challenge, you can't be thinking about anything except yourself. Because when you think about sacrifices that others have made for you, it's almost impossible to give up. Right? When you think about what somebody saw in you when you didn't see it in yourself, it's almost impossible to give up. And as a young kid, the only thing I did was rented other people's faith when I wasn't strong enough to possess my own. The only thing I did was rented other people's belief until I got strong enough to possess my own. The only thing I did was rented other people's motivation until I got strong enough to possess my own. But the moment I got strong enough to possess my own, it was my responsibility to pay it forward back into the world. And I get into the eighth grade and I bump into a math teacher and a basketball coach that later walked my wife down the aisle at our wedding. 
And I'm in the gym one morning, and he came to me and he said, son, I saw you on the corner in your neighborhood. I said, yeah, I was hanging out with my uncles. He said, no, you don't understand what I'm saying. I saw you on the wrong corner in your neighborhood. I said, I was hanging out. He said, no, I'm going to pick you up every morning before school until you graduate high school. And I'm going to play you in a game of one-on-one basketball, and I'm going to read you a proverb. I said, man, you bluffing. The next morning at 6 o'clock, I'm sleeping on the floor with my cousins. My mother comes and shakes me. I'm wiping coal out of my eyes. I say, yes, ma'am. She said, your eighth grade math teacher and basketball coach is at the door. I said, oh, are you serious? And one morning after our game of one-on-one basketball, he sits me down on the bench. He makes me recite a proverb. The principal walks in and he says, uh, DeMarco Mitchell, that was my teacher's name, 23 years old, had three kids of his own and he adopted three more kids from the same school system because he knew when they left school they didn't have anywhere to go. And the principal says to him, I heard you've been given inky proverbs. He said, yes, sir, I have. He said, stop it or I will have to fire you. My teacher stood up to the principal and he said, well, um, you're just going to have to fire me then because this life is worth it. And I said, you willing to put the way you feed your family on the line for me? He said, every day of the week. I said, I got to give you a return on your investment. And the summer going into my ninth grade year, people would ask me the question, Inky, where are you going to high school? You could play ball, man. Where are you going? I said, I'm going to Krim. They said, you want to go to college? I said, yep. They said, don't go to Krim. I said, it's five minutes away from my house. You want to go to college? I said, yep, don't go to Krim. My own mother came to me. Inky, what are you thinking about doing for high school? I said, I'm going to Krim. Inky, you want to go to college? Yes, ma'am. Don't go to Krim. I said, oh, now I got to go. And my first day at Krim High School, we had a cop at every door and a metal detector at every door, and they searched every kid from head to toe before they walked into the school. My first day, true story. I walked to school, right? And I'm walking to school with my guys, and I'm telling them how, man, we're about to go to Krim. We're going to change the atmosphere. We're going to change the culture. You know, we're going to be the first guys to go to college from Krim. They're looking at me, but they're really not feeling it because of the environment that we're going into. And environment's so important, right? At a certain point, if you don't get strong enough to possess your own belief, your environment will change you before you change it. And we walk up to the door, and I get there, and we got a cop, and I know the drill. I see it happening. I'm standing in line. So as soon as I get there, I spread my arms. I put my head up to the ceiling. He's searching me. He's patting me down. He gets to my shoes, and he starts working his way back up. I spread my legs. He gets to my chest, and he says to me, what's your plan, little man? I say, oh, I'm going to college. I'm going D1. He responds, you'll probably go to cell block D1. And he goes to walk off. I walk beside him. I tap his arm. He turns around, so he got the wrong guy. He said, no, I know about you. He's sarcastic, the whole nine. I said, you do? Yeah, you had two uncles that came to the same school, right? I said, yes, sir. He said, they could play basketball like you, right? They were great athletes. I said, yes, sir. He said, aren't they serving 13 years and 40 years at the federal penitentiary, not even 10 minutes away from these front doors? I said, yes, sir. He said, exactly, apple doesn't fall far from a tree. You'll probably end up in cell block D1. Walked off, I walked with him. <laughs> I tapped his chest. He turned around. I said, I don't know who you've been dealing with. I said, but you ain't dealt with me. I said, I'm telling you, you got the wrong guy. He said, we'll see. My senior year, when I got my scholarship from Tennessee, you know the first person I went to see? I didn't go see my mother first. I didn't go see my map. I went straight to that cop, and he was on lunchroom duty. I slammed the paper down on the lunchroom table. I slid it across to him. He got it. He looked at it. He said, let me ask you a question. How did you do it? 
He said, the reason I challenge you that way, I didn't try to belittle you. I didn't try to discourage you. He said, I challenge you to see what you fight back. And you did. But how did you do it? Because every kid in the school, they want something. That's why I said, who wants to do something great? And every hand went up. But it's a gap between what you want to do and actually making it happen. It's a lot of things that happen in between. That's the reason why people don't see their dreams, aspirations, and goals manifest. Like, well, how did you do it? And I said, oh, you thought I just wanted to go to college. You didn't understand. I was trying to break a generational curse in my family. The whole time the goal was a lot bigger than me. You thought I just wanted to go to college. Every morning I stepped into the school, I wanted to change the perception of the school. You thought I was just trying to go to college. I wanted to change the way they spoke about kids that came from my neighborhood. And so your words, they never even penetrated me. It was what my coach was telling me when I was seven years old, when he said to me, son, as long as you make sure that somebody else's life is okay, son, as long as you live your life with contribution, son, as long as you live your life and you're not a selfish individual, but you're a selfless individual, the opposition, the adversity, and the doubt, it won't phase you, son. And I told him, that's how I did it. But you know the coolest thing that happened? Had three little cousins that came right behind me into those same doors, looked that same cop in the face, and all three of them went to college. We crushed him. Ooh, I love that one. That was Inky Johnson. His website is inkyjohnson.com. Head on over there and find out how you can book him for one of your events. And also head on over to amazon.com and pick up his book, Inky, an amazing story of faith and perseverance. That's it for me. I will see you tomorrow with our Tuesday episode of the Quote of the Day show. I'm out. Peace. Peace.